0: The story I want to get to is 2 Samuel chapter 6. You know I've preached here a million times. That's what I love about the Word of God. It's like an onion you just keep peeling. And it's a big onion. And you just keep peeling it. And and the Lord showed me some new things on this that I want to share with you. So I'm not going to hit everything on here because you've heard it before. But let's get to this story about uh, about David when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Again, David uh, gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. Thirty thousand choice men. I wonder how many were not chosen, not so choice. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from uh, Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name capital N, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim, the two, the two angels on the ark of the covenant, right. So they set the ark on a new cart. How many already think that's going to be a problem? And brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on on the hill, and Uzzah and that guy from Ohio, the sons of Abinadab drove. They were driving the presence. (laughs) How many know we're getting into trouble here? And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. I don't know why they keep repeating that. Accompanying the ark of God. And the guy from Ohio went before the ark. He was the smart one. <laughs> then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord and all kinds of instruments of firwood and harps and stringed instruments, tambourines, Right? Uh, on, 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 on sistrums I don't even know what that is, and on cymbals. And when they had come to Nekon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Say, the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. I hate it when that happens. And David became angry. A lot of people get mad because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez, which is breakthrough, Uzzah. To this day, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? There it is. There's the question. So David would not move the ark. Of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed Edom and all his house, wherever the presence is. Getting ahead of myself. So David would not move the ark of God with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite three months. I already read that. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom, all that belongs to him, because of the ark of God. So David went out and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with with. How many believe gladness always accompanies the presence of the Lord? A little backdrop on this. Israel had been without the presence, without the ark. The ark represents the presence of God amongst the people. They had been without God's presence for 20 years. There are churches like that. (laughs) There really are, right? They they're dying. They know they're dying. They don't care. They're dying. They say we got to change to reach young people. They say no. We're gonna we're just gonna be who we are, and we're all just gonna die together. Grow old and die together. You know when you, when you're uh, when you're uh, in the youth group and you're and you're in your 40s, you know that's an old church. And they they refuse to change, but there's no there's no presence there. But they're happy. They're happy. 20 years. Finally, the ark is coming home and he's got 30,000 men. Can you picture this? And they're marching for seven miles. So for 30,000 men, I guess by the time the first one got there, the last one's just starting. I don't know. That's just men. I don't know if the women were on the side cheering them on or if they were in the group too, but 30,000 men, not counting women and children, and he's passing out instruments, probably to people who don't even know how to play it. Here, beat this tambourine. And, and, and can you imagine, I don't know how many musicians there were of the 30,000, but there's there's a racket going on. I mean, they're dancing. They're shouting. The women are, oh, all that stuff. They're just having a great time worshiping. Listen, this was a big deal, big deal, 20 years there were some of those men had never seen the presence of god if god were to move like he needs to move now there would be people in our churches perhaps even in our there's things god can do that maybe none of us have ever seen before come on you know it so they had never seen this before 30,000 what a big deal it's a big deal because it's the presence I mean, we can go from Genesis to Revelation. We could preach a series on the presence of God. It all starts with God walking with Adam in the cool of the day. It all starts with a daily walk with God. The presence in the garden. I, I remember reading in Genesis 4:16 where it talks about Cain right? Cain commits sin, kills his brother. And what does it say his punishment is? His punishment is that he would go out from the presence of the Lord. Really, that's what hell is. Because I believe they're going to appear before the judgment seat, which means they will see and experience God and then be cast out of his presence. Forget about the pain of fiery flames. What about the pain of knowing you messed up? You had chances. You had opportunities, and you didn't take them. He was cast out from the presence of the Lord. We go, Like I said, we can keep going, but let's just go to Moses, and that's as far as we'll go. But, but, but Moses, you know, he had uh, probably a million people. They leave Egypt. They're going through the desert, and he begins to call out to God in Exodus chapter 33. How many believe there were times that Pastor Moses was quite overwhelmed? How many know he had the perfect congregation? <laughs> he says, he starts praying to God. He says, Now therefore I pray, if, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. I want to know your way, that I may know you. Sound like Paul, right? And that I might find grace in your sight. And, and consider that this nation, they're your people. When they act up, that's your problem. And God said to him, my presence, my presence, capital P, will go with you and I'll give you rest. Oh, I'll come back to that. So so Moses said to him, yeah, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If I don't have your presence, I ain't going nowhere. We're we're here, and we are not going anywhere. Verse 19 says, Then God said, 'I, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Why did he say all that? Moses asked for the presence. Guess what? Verse 19 is the definition of presence it's my goodness what's the presence it's the goodness it's goodness and mercy it's grace it's compassion it's forgiveness the presence of the lord in his presence is goodness and grace it's interesting because it's interesting because look at what moses didn't ask god for He's on. He's 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 got to take the next step. He's got to move these people forward. I mean, if I were Moses, if you were Moses, I would be asking for all kinds of things. I said, God, I need more money. God, oh, people are going to attack us. We don't even have swords. We're a bunch of slaves. I don't have a commanding officer. I don't have any. Tr- Can you give me an army? Pastors will say, I, my building's not right, my location's not right, I don't have enough money, I, I volunteer, nobody will do anything. Everywhere I go and I, 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 I train pastors, the number one thing I hear is, how do you get people to do anything? And then I make them sick when I say 60% of our people are involved in ministry, and they're like, my goal is 20. If I can get 20%, I'll you heard of the 80-20 rule. I would have asked... I would have asked, I, 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 I need building supplies. I I I I need I need tra- I need people I, I need leadership. Remember everyone was taking their problems to Pastor Moses. There was nobody under him. I mean, he had all kinds of needs, but he didn't ask for any of that. He asked for the presence because if you have the presence, the presence will take care of everything else. And yet we have uh, Christians today that have never experienced the the presence, and it's no wonder they're always on their knees saying, give me this, give me that, give me, give me, give me that because they don't understand. If you get the presence, you get everything else. If you seek first the kingdom of heaven... All these other things will be added unto it. God, we need the presence of God in our services. It's hard to define, it's hard to describe, especially to someone. It's like trying to tell a teenager, how do I know I'm in love? I don't know. I'm in love, but I don't I don't know how to I don't know. You'll know when you know it. How will I know the presence of the Lord? Oh, you'll know when you know it. After laying on the floor for an hour, and you go, going, huh? you'll know it. Oh, we need the presence of the Lord is what we need in these last days. Pastors are saying, I need structure. I need people. I need volunteers. I need money. I need a building. I need to move. I need to expand. No, you need Jesus. You need the presence. That's all Moses asked for. It's the presence. Wow. But how do we get it? Let's learn how not to. David said, let's put the ark on a new cart. Come on. We're not going to give God anything used, but we are going to give God something handmade, man-made. You can't bring in the presence of God through manipulation, through the work of your hands. Technology is wonderful. Nice buildings are wonderful. Air conditioning is wonderful. I want more of it, but air conditioning is wonderful. These, these nice chairs are wonderful. All this, is, all this is wonderful, but what good is it without the presence of the Lord? It, one man said it's not about techniques, talent, or tools. It's not about what techniques we have. It's not about our talent. It's not about the tools we have. It's about the presence. So quit trying to build carts. If we do this, God will come. No, it's not going to matter what you do to the sanctuary and all. all these are maybe aids to worship. All this is fine and good. It costs a lot of money. I wish we wouldn't even have to do it. But it helps us, right? It helps us. But it's not the presence. If it helps get you to the presence, that's fine. But it's not about tools, techniques, or talents. It's all about the presence. Listen, you and I, we've been in places where we felt the presence where none of this was around. Come on, church. We're just out in the woods somewhere, and there's no, there's no praise team, and there's no sin. No, you lost your ear pods, and, and, and you, there's no music, and there's no preacher, and, and there's no air conditioning, and it's hot. And, but, oh, you feel the presence of the Lord in the most desolate. Oh, David said, If I make my bed in hell, there you are. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember when I first read that scripture I thought, well David's backsliding. If I make my bed in hell, you chase after me. No, that's not really what he's saying. He's because listen, we find ourselves in hell sometimes. We find ourselves in rough situations sometimes. But David says even if I have to make my bed in hell, if I have to sleep there, stay there, live there, guess what? God's there. No matter what you're facing, God's there. His presence gets us through it. So they put it on a cart, beautiful cart, expensive cart. Oh, that guy from Ohio is just out there leading the parade. Listen, how many know church services sometimes are all about the parade? And me and the minister of music are, let's dot the I. Jesus, are you hearing me? How many believe we can feel the presence of God even when they're off key? How many believe we can feel the presence of God when they're not singing your favorite song? How many know that? Praise God. How many can feel the presence of the Lord even when the preacher ain't preaching the message you expected this morning? How many can feel the presence if you don't like the chairs? If it's too cold in here? (laughs) Ah! The presence is not dependent on anything this world has to offer. It is supernatural. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, somebody, praise Him. Come on, I can't hear you. Hallelujah. I had a Sergeant Carter moment. I can't hear you. I watch too much TV. The ark hit a pothole. The guy from Ohio doesn't even know it. is the guy. Listen, every church has these. is the, the guys to make sure everything goes right. And I love those people, and I appreciate those people. But be careful to actually think it's really on you. Don't, don't get the idea if I don't do my job, every, it's all on me. I'm, I'm the guy. Not really. Because everything can go wrong on Sunday morning, and sometimes it does. Everything can go wrong, and nobody show up that's supposed to, and, and everything fall apart, and the presence, the, oh, the sweet presence of God can fill. Sometimes God does it just to spite us. Here's a couple of things about this thing, because you know what happened. He reaches out. Oh, I, I need to steady this thing. I need to steady the presence. I'm afraid the presence is going to fall. Here's a couple things. Here's a couple things. Number one, this this is this is what because hap- you know what happened. God killed him. All right, I'll get to that in a minute. Because some of you are saying that's a little drastic, don't you think? This is what happens when you try to manipulate God. This is what happens. This is what happens when you think you're in charge. Something dies. This is what happens when you think it's all up to you and on you. And listen, I'm preaching to myself because uh, if, if you've ever pastored, Brother Leg, you've pastored. You understand what I'm saying. Uh, others, you've been, been on staff. I mean, you understand. Sometimes you feel like, my God, i I've, I've I need to do this. I need to do that. Or this. Do you do you really? Well, how many know it's tempting? Oh, that temptation is there all the time. But this is what happens when you try to take charge. This is what happens when you don't believe God can take care of things. Is this too hard? Three three no's. Here's the second thing about this. Even if the ark stumbles, God can take care of himself. (laughs) Even if something doesn't go right, doesn't mean, God can't write it. God doesn't need you to write it. That doesn't mean you don't do anything, but just don't ever get the idea that it's all up to you because God can write himself. You remember when the ark was in captivity and the Philistines put him in there with Dagon, the fish god? And every morning they went in there, old Dagon had fallen over. They'd put him back up. Next day, he's fallen over again. Listen, I wouldn't serve a God who couldn't stand up. Woo! I would not serve a God who could not even stand up. I know every morning they went in and they, they would look at Dagon. They would say, Dagon it. You know I had to go there. <laughs> I don't know why you're serving a God that looks like a fish anyway. I mean, I don't get it. Are you hearing me? God can steady it. God, God, God's. In. But here's number three. This is important. Sometimes the stumble is for a correction. God, I don't know why you weren't there. I messed up. Anybody ever mess up? All the liars. You just did. Yeah, yeah. I, I've stumbled. I've messed up. I don't know how many people I've counseled with that have li- that are living with regrets. I just don't know God can ever fix this. I just messed up so bad back there. But sometimes, not that God made you stumble, but sometimes a stumble is meant for correction. That if you didn't stumble, you were heading for a fall. So God will allow a stumble to get your attention so that you don't fall. Oh, come on church hallelujah I, so sometimes you just oh I, you know i, I stumbled i, I tripped uh, uh, this happened that happened uh, uh, this is a setback uh, i don't know why this is happening in my life i'm just not feeling it and listen whatever you're thinking through your head that stumble is really a correction that god gives in your life amen so mm, hallelujah mm. so if you just uh, if you're just aware of that you see that's that's kind of god getting your attention sometimes your stumble is a pause so that you'll reflect as David did mm-hmm. see first David it said David was, a, was mad and then it said God was mad <laughs> you know if God's ticked off it doesn't matter about you you can be ticked off all you want <laughs> my tick off is bigger than yours But then it said David was afraid. Sometimes people pretend to be angry when they're really afraid, and they mask their fear with anger. But you know what it all led to? It led to a pause. Anybody ever been in a pause? Has God ever hit the pause button, put you on a shelf for a while? I don't like to be on shelves. Hello, anybody ever been on a shelf with God? You don't know where you're going. You don't know why. You don't know what's up. You're just, you know, elf on a shelf. Just there you are. Somebody find me. Here I am. Do they still do elf on the shelf? It is that pause in your life. David David said, whoa, we need to seek the Lord. Listen, when there's correction in your life, it's time to seek the Lord. And, and the Bible says he only he only corrects sons. He only, he only disciplines daughters. So just, just keep it in mind, you're still family. You've, you're just going through a correction. Come on. We don't spank now, but you're having a timeout. I don't know about your God, but he still whips me. God doesn't just, oh, time out. No, no, it's, whoosh, whoosh. I got the scars to prove it, amen. Correction. He said, let's, let's, put, let's, let's just put it there at Odom Edom's house and, and, and let's seek the Lord and let's pray and let's figure out the right way to do this. I, I, no, but, but I got a question. Why would God kill a guy who was only trying to help? I don't know. No. <laughs> what, 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 why would God do that? Why, what, why did God take someone? Why? Why did God, how many, how many don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you throughout your life have had questions? God, why would you do something like that? Listen, whenever the why thing comes, you need to put that back a little bit because before you, before you deal with or even know or if you ever understand the why, you just need to survive. Sometimes you don't need to know why, you just need to know how to survive it. You just got to get through it. You just got to get it behind you somehow. Amen. Listen, this is good counseling. When when someone comes to you and says, why, I don't know why. Let's just forget about the why. Let's just survive. Some things don't even seem survivable. So we just keep, oh, I don't understand. We're just using that as an excuse sometimes to give up or walk away from God. But the truth of the matter is you just got to survive. Come on, church. I mean, David's mad at God, but he's standing there and Uzzah's Uzzah's laying out dead. He's mad for a while, then he thought, I might be next. (laughs) I mean, after all, this is really my fault. Hello? Preaching to myself. (laughs) This is really, this might really be my fault. So that's why he was mad and then scared. Whoa. Let's put it in Odom Edom's house, but 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 th- th- there might be some answers here because when you look at the history of this, Abinadab and his sons were not Jews; they weren't God's people. We had someone carrying the ark that wasn't even saved. Now sometimes we involve people at certain levels, and we wonder if they're saved, and maybe a little help them. But listen, you can't put you can't put. Unsaved people in a leadership position. Sometimes we try to sometimes we try to convert what needs to be corrected. Uh, y'all didn't hear me. Some people just need to be corrected. They just need to be confronted. We just need to say, here's the issues. Thus far, no more. Someone needed to say, We're not doing a cart. Someone needs to say we're not using Abinadab and his two boys. We're going to use the priests, and they're, going to put, they're not going to put it on a cart. They're going to put staves in the ark, and they're going to put it on their shoulders. And four priests who are living right. Who should be up here? People that are living right. Who should be leading the congregation? People, not perfect people, but per- people that are living right. People who, when they do get corrected, know how to take correction and will move forward the way they're supposed to. Come on, church. Now, don't sit there and judge someone else. I'm talking about you. I felt good about that. Glory to God. Some people, they just need correction. David should have said that's not the way it's supposed to be done. It looks good. But you see, when you've got four men and it's riding on their shoulders, if one kind of, the other three are right there, or however many men, how long the staves are, right? You know how to bring the presence in? Not through techniques, not through tools, not through talent. We bring it in on the shoulders. You have to personally be responsible and carry the presence. I don't know how many times people see someone else blessed as that. I wish I was sitting next to them. I I just want the overflow. I'm just living off grandma's overflow. I'm I'm just living off someone else's prayers. Come on. Come on. You're 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 relying on the ox cart. It's time you put the presence on your shoulders. You know how you know how God's gonna move in this service? You walk through that door and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. You walk through that door and say, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty for the presence of the Lord. It's only then that the presence is going. God doesn't fall on people that don't want Him. He falls on those that are hungry, He falls on those that are searching for Him. It may be free, but it ain't cheap. It'll cost something. Oh, I got to hurry up. Got to. Listen, listen the, the fine. So, so, so sometimes God's got to kill something in your life, something in you. Sometimes God's got to kill your uzza, that thing in you that wants to control everything in me. Oh, I tell you, if I didn't show up Sunday. You didn't show up Sunday. We might have revival. Trying to control everything. I'm not saying don't do anything. I'm just un- just understand. God's in charge of this. I've got it on my shoulders. Wherever He wants to go, that's that's where we're gonna go. Come on, church. Come on, church. Real quick, they park it at Odom Edom's house. Come on, worship team. I, I need some encouragement. They park it at Odom Edom's house for three months, and God blesses Odom Edom. No one else is getting blessed, but Odom Edom's like, man, chicken dinner every day. I'm I'm doing good. My God, My, my wife's pregnant again. Another son on the way. Well, that's their definition of blessing. I, I, you know, the, the the money's increased. I got a promotion. I got a raise. Uh, God's blessing. Uh, we've all been completely healthy for three months. Uh, we've seen healing. I mean, God's blessing Odom Edom. And David's over there saying, got to be in here somewhere. <laughs> what are we su- You know why God blessed Odom Edom? To provoke David. Do you ever get upset at someone because God's blessing them and not you? That's to provoke you. Hey, didn't we preach about Hannah and that other wife, right? God just kept blessing her. All day long the kids are playing. She's got like 10 kids. Woo, I'm blessed. We call that a curse today. I've got all these kids. Oh, I'm so blessed. Oh, Hannah's over there. But it provoked her. We never see Paniah praying. But we see Hannah, drunk in the spirit, pouring out her grief, pouring out her prayer. And, and she says, God, if you'll just give me, just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Yeah. Oh, there's what I might have to preach another sermon on Hannah, seriously. Something's stirring in me. I don't have time for today. Uh, if, if you look at Romans eleven eleven, just real quick. The reason we're saved is to provoke Israel. (laughs) You're saved to poke Israel in the eye, to wake them up. How many know it's going to work one day? It's going to work one day. But let me answer one more question. Why? Why did God wait so long? They were almost to Jerusalem. Why didn't he stop them uh, ahead of time? Why did the stumble occur at the end of the trip almost? The answer is because God was not going to let them into their destiny the wrong way. Listen, church, we are that close to an amazing move of God, and it's no wonder some of us are stumbling. It's no wonder some of us are facing some tough issues. It's no wonder we have some setbacks. We we have done more funerals, and all of a sudden uh, people are in hospitals. It's getting crazy. He said, God, have you left us? No, it's just, just a little stumble. How many believe God's getting everything just right? I believe he's getting the presence back on our shoulders and off of our trusting of other things. And He's sometimes the stumble is for correction. He's saying, they're that close. I need to stop them because God doesn't want you taking your Uzzah into your destiny the needs to stay out. stand your feet. We're close to our destiny. Oh I feel the Lord. Thank you Jesus.